This B-Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. Welcome to Changemaker EDU, a podcast that inspires powerful individual and collective transformation by sharing leadership, personal development, and education change-making ideas and stories to ignite people like you to create the change deep within your soul, embody your calling, and bring your dreams to life. I'm your host, David K. Richards, and I share wisdom from my 25 plus years as an education innovator, school founder and CEO, mindset teacher and leadership coach, but also interviewing other diverse paradigm shifters. Join me in our grassroots movement to create lasting impact, one education change maker at a time. Hey everyone, I want to jump on before you get into the podcast episode today and share that I'm launching the Wise Warrior Mastermind, which I'm really excited about because you know when something comes through me, it comes through with full energy and love. And I really wanted to convene a group, a small group of about five people where we can really go deep and create a safe container, a safe environment, a place where you can just be free, let yourself be you. You don't have to worry about bringing any baggage into the group. And we can really focus on these mindset teachings that I have embodied and learned and mastered over the last several years. And I can share them with you and we can work on them together and we can support each other and create some lasting impact and change in your life. So we can focus on how to lead with love, how to live and flow, how to master your thoughts and what belief systems you have and so many other things that we're going to work on together. So if you're interested, please reach out to me at david at davidkrichards.com or you can go to the website davidkrichards.com slash program slash mindset. We're going to get better together. We're going to learn. We're going to grow. And it's going to be a, a small number of us. So if you're interested, please reach out as soon as possible because we don't have that many spaces. All right. Enjoy today's episode. Thanks. All right. Welcome, everyone. As promised, I'm back here with Mary Jo Fairhead. How are you doing, Mary Jo? I'm doing good. Awesome. We're super excited to talk about what we said we would talk about last time, which is the vision and the values. So just in case you didn't uh, listen to the last episode, this is Mary Jo Fairhead. She is the founder of Onward, which is in Martin, South Dakota. Did I get that right? Yeah, you did. About time I learned where you were looking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and tell us a little bit about Onward again, so we can kind of sh- share that for people that didn't listen last time. Okay, so yeah, Onward, uh, Onward Learning, I guess is the full name, is a nonprofit that I established in Martin, South Dakota, which is right on the border of the Pine Ridge Reservation. And um, we have a school that's preschool through eighth grade. And then we also have a little childcare program for ages birth to three. 
And right now we have 25 kids and four, four staff, three teachers, one assistant. And, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome. It's definitely now they have a term for your school. It's a micro school. And that is, I've had, I think I mentioned this last time I've had like the micro schooling center director on and different people talking about different types of schools. And so Mary Jo is definitely a great example of somebody who followed her passion previously, public school teacher, basketball coach, principal, all the things, uh, college taught college for a while. And now she followed her passion and opened her school. So we talked last episode about getting over that hurdle of following your passion and really like taking the leap to get out of um, the kind of safe route of where she was and how totally changed her life. She's a completely different person and she's having fun, like she said. But today we wanted to talk about, since we shared last time that we're also launching this program called Pathfinder, which will help people open any kind of school, micro school, small, large, whatever school, homeschool, you know, co-op, whatever you're looking to do to try and create a better experience for young people. We want to help you do that. So you can learn more about that when we share the, the website later. But basically, we want to talk today about, we want to kind of give you some pointers for if you're going down this path of creating a pro program for kids or creating a school, what are some of the important steps? And so what we feel very passionately about is that the most important step with a capital T, capital H, capital E, the most important step is that you really need to get clear on your vision and your values. And so before we hit record, Mary Jo and I were talking about this and I'd love to kind of ask Mary Jo, what are the values that she used, that she uses and that she started with at Onward Learning and how do they kind of play into her, into her daily operations and her daily life at the school? Okay. Yeah. So the, I guess the biggest thing, um, from my experience as a teacher and a principal that I wanted to carry into the school and make it a priority was, was for it to be absolutely 100% child centered, meaning all decisions throughout the day, even the smallest decisions and the big ones were, were, and will be made based on what's in the best interest of the kids. I, I, I just saw so many big, especially big decisions, but even daily decisions being made in the schools I was working in that were more about the adults and um, even more often about finances and not really about what was best for the kids. And yeah. so that was my first priority, I guess. And, and daily, I, I refer back to that all the time. And I did as a principal too, and as a teacher right. too. Um, but it's nice to, it's nice to keep that in our mind because, you know, it's easy to get bogged down and forget why you're there. But when you, when you go back to that value of child centered, that is why we are here. Then it's easier to make those, those choices and those decisions. And then the second thing was, uh, is love based, I guess. So I wanted a, a school where kids feel love no matter what. I experienced a lot of discipline strategies and programs and things that were bribing children to be, be good and um, shaming children. And I just, I didn't, I don't want any part of that in our school. I want every adult in our school and every adult in the families of our school to approach things from a place of love, whether it's discipline or it's just in the morning, first thing, when you see the kids, I want them to feel that kind of warmth. So amazing. Yep. That was 
the second one. And then the third one was community led. And that one came about, it's, 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 the name is a little bit misleading because I do like, I did want community support and community involvement in this. And I did get some community members to help me found this um, nonprofit and then the school. But to me, community-led means and meant um, decisions are made as a community. So Onward is its own community and the teachers and the parents and the kids, we all have a say and a part in the decisions. And it's very much teacher-led in, in that way. Like, um, yeah, I'm the founder and I guess technically I'm the boss, but yeah, right. <laughs> I, I really, really try hard to include my teachers in in every decision, whether it's a daily schedule change or, I mean, I've even had conversations about them about salaries and benefits and that, those kind of decisions. And that came about, I guess, because teachers don't feel heard a lot of the time and they don't feel appreciated. And yep. um, I, I, I wanted my teachers to feel heard and appreciated. So, yeah. You know, one of the things you said that I wanted to highlight is you said, oh, this is how it was when I was a teacher and a principal too, right? And so I think what's important is you already kind of know the values you want to bring into whatever you're building. But I think it's a disciplined act of actually clearly articulating the values. And in the way Mary Jo's done, like there's three that are easy to remember. Our values are heroic. So H for high expectations. This is for growth public schools. Mm -hmm. H for high expectations. E for empathy. R for relationships. O for optimism, I for integrity, and C for community. And so those have been the values from the beginning. We did actually change a couple of the, the like, we used to be um, results, and then we changed it to relationships. But so we've kind of changed a couple. And then I think, gosh, there's another one we changed to, but I'm forgetting right now. Anyway, the point is that a couple of them have changed a little bit, but the essence or the real like DNA of the school is built on those values. And those values are the same values that I had in my classroom as a teacher that I had when I was a principal, when I was an assistant superintendent. It's like, you know, I've always had these values and they show up, but in, without really articulating them and be getting really clear, then the people around you might not know them or they might not show up as much as you would like. Do you agree, mm -hmm. Marina? Absolutely. Absolutely. I like relationships. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had originally... So, you know, being in a kind of more urban area with low income kids, low income kids, we really felt like we wanted to maintain or create an environment where we had high expectations because a lot of urban communities and communities of poverty, like the expectations were lowered, like, oh, they can't, those kids can't do it. So we wanted to like lead with the high expectations and we wanted to re lead with results because we're like, we want people to see that, you know, kids can learn and we want to actually make sure that they are learning and they're not just, you know, like in school all day because a lot of times in um, urban communities, like people are just happy if the kids are there, but it's like, no, we want them to actually get results. Um, but as we evolved and matured as a school, we realized that the heart of our school was really about the social emotional learning. And it was really about the relationships and the love. Right. And so we actually softened a little bit and said like, oh, it used to be hard work. That's right. The H was hard work. And we felt like we liked high expectations because that was a little more direct, like because you could work really hard and maybe not have, um, and also not hold high expectations. So, but anyway, but we, we, as the school evolved, which is also going to happen, like we realized it was more about the relationships and that's why we changed it. So these values can change, but the, like 97% of the vision and values that Mary Jo and I came up with for our schools are still the most important values and like the DNA of the school. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and relationships is love based. So it's like interchangeable. Exactly. Thing. And and you know, you have to have those relationships if you're going to get results. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no matter where the kids come from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I remember my mentor always saying, like, if if you show the kids that you care about them and that you love them and you really care about their growth and their development, they'll do anything for you. Yeah. No matter what who it is, like the quote unquote most difficult kid in the school or whatever it was, like you build a deep relationship with them where you show them you care and you trust them. And it's like people are like, How did you get him to do that? Like, did you force him? Did you tie him up? Did you give him detention? I'm like, I talked to him. I loved him. I asked him about his life. I like asked him about his mom. Like we got to get to know each other. And then after like six weeks, I could be like, whatever I asked him to do, he would be like, how fast? What do you want me to do? (laughs) You know? And so it's like, that's why it's really a core value for our school. And to your point in the bigger schools or the kind of traditional public schools, a lot of times that's lost. Mm -hmm. And you find these amazing teachers that are doing it in these silos in their classrooms um, like when I was in Oakland public schools, a lot of the kids would actually come hide in the back because I was in the back. They would literally hide in my little oasis from all the drama outside. Like not even the kids. It was a lot of times the other teachers that were like, yeah. <laughs> crazy things. They're like, can we just, can we just be in here? And I'm like, well, technically you're supposed to be in math class right now. So you got to go. I'll give you two minutes, but like, no, you can't stay here for too long. But yeah. So, okay. So on the values front, um, the other thing that we were talking about is, you know, if you're not doing if you're not getting clear with these values from the beginning and you're going into like, well, how am I going to do this? Like how many kids and all that, what do you see as like the risk that could happen if you're going too fast to the how versus like really sticking with the why and the the values? How you just, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to, you're going to have to start over. I kind of, I kind of got caught up in the how a little bit at the beginning and made some, made some mistakes and you live and learn, but, um, I, I'm a very, I'm, I'm a brain person. I'm a thinking person. So it's hard for me to stay out of the how, um, what, what you have to at the beginning, because once, as soon as I got these values established and written down and we, we really talked them through a, a lot. And as soon as we had that to fall back on all the other decisions were so, so much easier because yes. we could, we could literally go back and say, well, is this, is this putting the kids first? Is this decision what's best for the children? Because that's why we're here. Or is this creating an environment where kids are going to feel loved? Um, whether it's the, the schedule of the day or how many, what, what your teacher ratio, teacher to student ratio is, or even your curriculum, you can't make any of those decisions until you know what your why is. Um, and if you do make those decisions without your why, I firmly believe that you're going to be going back and, and changing those decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And it feels like if you're really clear because you're attract, you're attracting the parents, the students, the teachers, the, you know, the, the staff, like all the people that are going to be working there and attending the school. And so if you're really clear, I remember telling you this when we were working together, if you're really clear from the beginning, you're actually, it's kind of like when you're looking for a job and you go to a website and you're like, Oh, I don't want to work there. Or like, Whoa, I want to work here. Right. So you kind of, it helps people select in or out of your school of your program. And so without having those clear values, you might just accept like all these people, you know, like all these people. And then it's really painful because you're like, no, 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 this is not what we're about. Because what I have found with newer schools and newer programs is that when what you're saying out loud, when it's not established yet, people will hear what they want to hear. Mm -hmm. Right. So 
people will hear, you know, this is going to be like, they want this school that they have in their head and they don't know what your school is yet. Cause it hasn't, they haven't seen it. Right. It hasn't opened. So then when you're saying stuff, they're literally hearing what they want to hear and you're saying something and you mean the complete opposite of what they're hearing. And so without those established values, they might, you might not like, you might not figure that out to like year one or two. Mm-hmm. Because they just didn't, they just don't know. And it's not articulated and that's painful. And then, you know, to your point of making mistakes, or you might have a core value that you might not have articulated your value that you want multi-age classrooms, right? Like, like you do, like you have, you haven't articulated that and you're kind of just like fumbling through it and the parents are upset and, you know, you're trying it out and people are like, wait, what are we doing? And then where's the research? Everyone wants the research. And you're like, no, no, this is not about the research right now. This is about our core value of child-centered learning or whatever it is, you know, for multi-age classrooms. But without that articulated, without that clear on the website and, you know, the materials and in the like internalized by the people that work with the kids most, the teachers, then people expect something different and it causes tons of problems. Absolutely. And I I ran into that a little bit at the beginning too, because you're kind of scared to put too much out there. You don't want to run people off. Yeah. You know, you you kind of have this scarcity mindset, like you just need kids, right? But that's not the way to go about it now that I'm looking back. You know, for instance, like we don't start teaching reading until age six for most kids. We do have a couple at age five that sometimes are ready, but but we very strongly believe that that we're going to wait until they're developmentally ready. And that wasn't something I was very, very, very clear on at the beginning. I had a a couple of families that like, wait, you know, like public school, they're learning how to read at four or five years old. Why is my six-year-old just now, you know, learning how to read? Or why, why does my four-year-old not know every sound of every letter, you know? And those are important things. Those are important conversations. And, and once you get clear on all of those things, which it does take time, but once you get clear on all of those things, the, the right people just come like, yeah whether it's staff, whether it's families, whether it's donors, like they just, I, I always joke. I'm like, I feel like all of our kids just kind of fell from the sky. Like <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to right. our student population and our families, <laughs> but they're also perfect for, for, right. you know, and for us. So. Right. And the other thing you mentioned that I wanted to share and kind of highlight is when you have the values and beliefs articulated and somebody says like, Oh, you don't teach reading till the you know, kids are six. You can then go back to like why mm-hmm. that is and like what the value is. Like, what is the value for you for onward about waiting till six? Is it the child centered or is it something a little more nuanced around the belief? I mean, it goes back to child centered. So under child centered, I say we meet every child where they're at and adjust mm-hmm. daily to meet the needs of each individual child. So, right. um, and, and I have a bunch of research now to share with parents on that. And especially in our area, um, with, with the high poverty and, um, trauma and all of that, like the majority of our kids just absolutely developmentally are not ready. Now that's not to say that there aren't kids that are ready and we do meet them where they're at if they are ready. It's not to say that like age six, we got to wait no matter what. It's not super rigid. It's just like a guideline. Yeah. It's a guideline and we meet with parents and now, you know, after they've been in our program, they know we meet with them once a month or once every other month and discuss where their child is at and, and ask for their input on their learning and things like that. But at the beginning, it's a little scary when we present that without any, if we were to present that without any research to show them or value to back it up or experiences. Yeah. You you just never know. Yeah. And I like what you said about 
you know, you get really clear on the values and the kid just kind of fell from the sky or whatever. Because I do think that's because I think what you said around the scarcity mindset is, okay, so we think that we have to go to the how, we have to have this like very buttoned up, um, clear box of, you know, this is a school, this is a schedule, this is the curriculum that I got from McGraw-Hill or whatever, you know, like this is the, and everything's just like totally thought through. And you have like your, you know, we have like a thousand page charter petition that we are rewriting for renewal. And I think we kept like two, two of the thousand pages. I'm exaggerating, but like a lot of the how has changed. Like literally, I think it is 98% of the how has changed. Maybe, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I exaggerate. My wife gets annoyed at me. She's like, you're such a storyteller. But the point is like a lot of it has changed a lot. Yeah. And yeah. because we really had no idea what the how was going to look like, but we were really clear on the why and the values and what we believe to be true for children and what we wanted to see in the school. And so I'm really glad that you pointed that out because I feel like people can go into the scarcity mindset of like, well, I'm going to have no kids. If I'm, if I'm really clear about what I believe, then I'm not going to have any kids in this building. And like, I have to settle and I have to kind of dilute it. And I remember this um, political show I was watching one time and they had like created this new party. It was in like Sweden or something. It was on Netflix. I can't remember the name of it. And they've created this new party, this like new um, like political party. And they just accepted everybody. And then in like months, like everyone came into this party in like month six, the like lead character, she literally stood up like on the table. Cause of course it was like in like a basement, you know, they didn't have any money. And she's like, what do you believe about, you know, abortion? What do you, and, and she's like, oh my gosh, we literally have like all the beliefs. Everyone believes everything. We stand for nothing. We yeah. stand for everything, which means we stand for nothing. So she's like, here are the three things that this party is going to believe. And then literally like 70% of people left. <laughs> and it just stuck with me because that's kind of what happens when you start a school, right? If you're not clear and you're just accepting all the people because you just want the numbers, then you're going to have this mishmash of beliefs and ideals and a lot of unhappy people and a lot of confused people. And then you're going to have to make tough decisions where people are going to either self-select out or you're going to have to ask them to leave or whatever's going to happen. But it's just painful. So this work on the front end is so incredibly critical. Yeah. Or you're going to spend all your time putting out fires. like Right. Because you have a disagreement and it reminds me of, you know, when you're in a school and you're arguing one time, I, my first year teaching, we were arguing about whether you grade on effort or actual like standards. And we argued about that for like the whole entire department meeting. I was like, this is what they do here. Like for like an hour and a half. <laughs> and then my friend was like, this is why you have to get clear on your philosophy when you have a grade level team or a department team, because mm -hmm. they're not arguing about effort versus standards. They're actually arguing about what they believe we should be doing with, you know, like there's a philosophy or a value in there that they're not articulating. So they're arguing about the how, but really they have a disagreement about like what matters when you're evaluating or assessing a child. Right. And so if you can get those things clear, then you don't have to have all those disagreements and all those arguments over and over and over again, because you've already just shared like, no, this is child, we're child centered. Like, mm -hmm. what does that actually mean? Right? Yeah. You were talking about the have to. Oh, yes. And I think when I'm talking to, I've talked to various different people that want to start a school and they, they're like, okay, I need a million dollars. I need right. 400 kids. I need this many teachers. I need this curriculum, yada, yada, yada. And I think I, I just want to caution everybody to to not get caught up in that too, because yes. it's part of the how. And um, you really limit yourself because if you say I need 400 kids, well, are you not going to open it if you have 100? Right. If you have 100 kids, or I need 50 kids, well, are you not going to open a school if you have 20 awesome kids? Like right. right. So 
that was my only tidbit. Well, that's important. Okay. And then the thing I was going to say too about that is we're not saying that you shouldn't be thinking about your how. Right. People will get into the either or. (laughs) Oh, so basically you just have no idea what you're going to do. Like I had a phone call today with a guy I'm, you know, working on opening my high school. And he did, he literally asked me the how questions like in the first three minutes. And I was like, of course he did. Right. He was like, well, how many kids and what's the building and what's the population? And I'm like, okay, that's great. But so I knew those answers. Like I have a basic, a basic outline of the how, but Mm -hmm. I think what we're really, the point we're trying to make here is be clear on like, get really, really clear. Keep spending the time on the why and the values and the vision before you go into all of those other details, or maybe think about it as like, have an outline, like do your values and your vision and like have an outline for, you know, I think it's going to be about this many kids and this location and this population. And, you know, this is the type of curriculum or philosophy, like don't just don't think, you know, we're not saying don't think about that, but just make sure that you don't fall into the trap that most people fall into, which is you go spend all your time on the, on the how and the, the what and the curriculum and all these things. And then you're like, but I don't even know what we believe. Like, what do we actually believe and what are our values? It's like, Okay, you better get that clear way before the school opens, right? Right. Yeah, the how should always kind of be in your mind. Yeah. I think. Like it's it's there. And you're always I like I don't even know how many notes I've taken over the years on on the school because I like I I've wanted to start a school for 10 years. So yeah. I mean I've written a lot of how stuff down, but <laughs> <laughs> but um but honestly, yeah, the, the vision and the beliefs is of utmost importance. So out of your three, okay, let's talk about how <laughs> so about how you determine that you determine your values. But this is actually important how. Like, how do you determine your values? So did you like go through a uh you know, talking with parents and talking with families, talking with your friends? Like, how did you determine these values and how did you create them? What was your process? Well, the child-centered, I think, has always been a value for me personally as an yeah. educator. And so that one was easy. Um, the others came about after meeting with other people who had started schools or led schools. The love base came from Fillmore at Upland yeah. Hills. Um, I just, for lack of a better word, loved that school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, loved his book. And so... What's his um, book so people can look it up if they want to? Uh, the Future of Children. It's okay. it's worth a read for sure. Um, yeah. it, it definitely helped me establish some... Or get some ideas around these values for sure. And visiting with Bill. Like, he's just... The guy just bleeds love. <laughs> like, he just, <laughs> nice. He's, he's just a, a really cool person. So, so that's kind of where the love base came from. And then the community, um, the community led was, was a community decision. Like our board, and, um, the, the teachers I had hired at the time, we really, um, wanted this to be a group effort. And, um, so that's kind of where the community led came from. So I guess a little bit of all of the above, like, yeah, yeah. You know, when I love what you said about it came from me, love base kind of came from one of my mentors, but also something that I felt deep within me as well. Yep. And the community based was, was a group effort. So. Yeah. Well, what I'm hearing you say is that you kind of reflected on what you were really believed and what you wanted the school to be. Cause you have to, if you're, if you're starting a micro school or a program or a school in general, and you're the founder, you have to really understand this is a reflection of your values. Right. Mm-hmm. And so but then going through the process of working with your board and your your you know future teachers or the community members, whoever it is you're talking with, other school founders, that helps you really kind of like filter that through, you know, what are the words I'm gonna say for 
or yes. oh, love base. I wasn't sure what that, that what that word was going to be, but that helps you get really clear within yourself mm-hmm. about what these values are, and then that creates the people coming together and agreeing and feeling like they're part of these values, and it's not just coming out of nowhere. And so it's important to go through a process where you're creating the values as the founder, or if you're on the founding team, or if you're helping somebody who's starting a school, you're involved in the value creation. And there's like as many people involved as possible so that there's like a really good, you know, mix of ideas. And I also heard you saying like, you know, you read Phil Phil's book and you're kind of like looking for what are the things that we really, Oh, one thing, one thing that we did when I started my last school was we did a little retreat and with, you know, the handful of the board and a few staff members we had, and we didn't know where to start. Cause people were like, well, how do we start to create values? And then somebody said, well, honestly, I just came from an organization for 10 years that was pretty bad. And I can tell you all the things I don't want. And I was like, great. That seems like a negative way to start, but actually that's a great place to start. Cause right. tell me what you don't want. And then let's turn that into like what we do want. And those would be our values. And it was like, I don't want like people to be cynical all the time. And like, every time you have an idea, they, they shoot it down. Or I don't want people to, you know, be like always thinking about all the negative, negative things in the world and saying nothing's possible. So we're like, great optimism. Right. So we, someone wrote up optimism about that for two hours. And it was like, yeah, we have to have an optimistic view of, you know, the life our kids are going to have. And, you know, so it was that kind of process of like, what are the things from our past that really didn't work? And what do we want to be? How do we want to be different? And how do we want to create values that are, not going to put us into the like dysfunctional organizations that we've all worked in so many times for like the majority of our life. And the Gallup poll is 85% of the American workforce is disengaged or highly disengaged. So that's why we need values. Cause if not, be one of those places. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And also the other, the other thing that I don't know, is always in the back of my mind is I want this school to be something that lasts for for a long time, decade, you know, forever. And so I wanted to establish values that if I were taken out of the equation, Mm -hmm. the school would still be what it was meant to be. That's so smart. That's so smart. Like the long-term thinking. So to say like, I don't know. I mean, sometimes you read these like quotes from a thousand years ago and you're like, wow, that's still relevant today. Mm -hmm. So it's like a value should be like that. You should read it and be like, whether this is optimism doesn't matter if it's 1900 or 2020 three or whatever, right? It's like, what does it mean to be optimistic? And so, or what does it mean to be child-centered, right? I mean, actually child-centered is like a Marie Montessori yeah. value from like 1890, whatever, or 19, I can't remember exactly. And it's been, maybe it was like 1920. I know she's been, it's been around for hundred years. Um, so really thinking about how to make them long-term, how to make them the kind of thing that will be around forever and then not making it about you. Cause I said that there were a reflection of your values, but it's not about you. Yeah. It just means like, your vision and your values are have a stamp on the school because you are the one who thought about it and kind of helped birth it, but it doesn't mean that it's about you. So that's really great advice too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Taking your ego out of it is, <laughs> is a good start. Super <laughs> important. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we should wrap it up. Um, is there anything else you wanted to share, like to close out on the values conversation and why it's important and what's the process for creating their values? I think, um, I would just encourage anybody that's that's thinking about starting a school or an organization or business really of any sort. If if you're talking about, or if you're trying to establish your values, you, you really need to quiet your mind. And so find some time 
every day, like just you in peace, whether it's meditation or whatever your thing is, my thing is going out in nature and going on walks or riding my bike. And I don't don't know how many ideas have come to me during that time. Like just, just delegate intentionally some time to think about this without the pressure of home or family or work or whatever might be on your mind. That is the best advice. I feel like we should have started there because, because that is the whole like dreaded how, as Martha Beck calls it, is it is the busyness of the active mind, right? Like the egoic mm-hmm. mind that's just going crazy on, we have to figure all this out and control all of it right now. And I have to make sure that everything goes exactly how I want it to be, right? That's like the controlling mind. So once you can step back and like release that and just take a deep breath and like you said, find your meditative thing or find your place of silence or peace, And then you'll get really clear. And when you said like, this has always been a a value of mine, like child-centered, I'm like, that probably just became so clear to you as you were envisioning the school. And you're like, oh, this is pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. Like it has to be one of the core values, right? And it's just like so clear to you. And, but again, it's because you took the time to get quiet and get out of the busyness because you think you need to execute, 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 execute what you do. So you're not going to start a school if you don't do that. But you also have to spend time really thinking through this first. So on that note, this is something that we do. And we're really passionate about helping you figure out you or your team or wherever you are really getting clear on what these values are. And we have exercises we'll take you through and different templates and frameworks and things we can share with you and help you and you know different schools that we know. And as examples that you could follow, it's to make sure you get this really clear so that we can save you so much time from doing it the way that a lot of people will do it where they have to make all these fix all these things later. So we want to help you be proactive, get it right in the beginning and help you get this school or program or whatever you're starting off the ground. And I just wanted to say that like, we really love this. <laughs> so I know, like, We really do. <laughs> we really like this work. So, um, so know that we'll be, in, we're invested. <laughs> it's yeah. Really, we love this. We actually would start like a hundred school ourselves or a thousand schools at some point. That was going to be the name of the <laughs> the company yeah. at one point, like a thousand schools. Cause we just feel like we want to help so many people start so many schools because we love it so much. So absolutely. We love it. It's so much fun for us. It doesn't feel like work. And to think about the kids that are at Onward and the kids that are at Growth Public Schools that would not be, like you said, they're the perfect fit. It's the same with Growth Public Schools would not be there and would be in another school. It's just like, it pains me. So that's why if you have a feeling like, I just want to do this, I want to start a school or I want to create a micro school or have five kids in my living room and do homeschool, whatever the feeling is, just like follow through on it because you literally are going to change the world because you're changing the world by helping one kid at a time. It's the most beautiful thing ever. It's why we love it. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite days are when I have parents tell me that that the Onward has changed their life and doesn't get much better in that. Does not get much better than that. All right. Thanks, Mary Jo. And we will most likely come on part three. We'll 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 see about that. But I think we're gonna do a part three at some point. So we'll see. All right, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks, Mary Jo. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Changemaker EDU podcast. Every guest and listener is a valued part of this co-creation. We're honored that you listen and we hope that this helped you in some small or big way today. This is a community and a movement. And without you, it wouldn't be possible. If you want to learn more about me, go to davidkrichards.com. And as always, if you're so moved, please rate and review the podcast. 
And finally, our greatest compliment is when you share an episode with someone who you believe will benefit from the message. Sending you immense love and courage today. Thank you. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet tier one standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals. That's IXL.com B E.